John, Pat McAfee is on the verge of walking away from $120 million and into the arms of ESPN. And Andrew, what's up with Tom Brady and you and the pod? Plus, we'll have some Pac-12 info on the Marchand and Oran Sports Media podcast. I would like to give an update, though, for people. Yes. Okay. Um, a lot of massive news coming out of this particular operation. Hey. Probably in, like, the next... 10 days. And we're back. I'm Andrew Marchand, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And John, let's get right to it. Who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? I'll take it, uh, Andrew. My who's up is Kevin Cross. He's the head of NBC Sports Chicago. At the regional sports network that's in Chicago. And I really, I, I almost picked Jimmy Vitaro of ESPN or Louis Silverwasser of Turner, anybody that has an NHL deal or a, an association with the Chicago Blackhawks. And that's because the Blackhawks won the NHL draft lottery and they're on pace to pick somebody called Connor Bedard, who's a player who's been described as a once in a generation talent. You know, I live in the DC market and I've seen what a once-in-a-generation talent can do for uh, an NHL team. Uh, the Capitals picked Alexander Ovechkin in 2004. He started with the team in 2005. Since then, the team has been good. Ratings have been good. Capital One Arena has been filled. They don't need need that really in the uh, Chicago market. But it's really more than just locally. Chicago, the third biggest media market. And I'm always struck. I know the NHL and NFL are totally different sports. But every time the Bears do well, you see the uh, NFL ratings increase across the board. And that's something that the TV executives have always pointed to as a, a market that's as important to viewership and to ratings as the New York market. And getting a team there in the NHL at the start of this long-term media deal that they're on is uh, something that's going to bear watching. John, my who's up is Eduardo Perez, Sunday night baseball analyst for ESPN. And why? A simple apology. That's why. On Sunday night, Mookie Betts had a game-tying two-out homer in the ninth inning. They showed a picture of Fernando Tatis Jr. And Perez said, that's what a superstar looks like, Nando, Mookie Betts. When he says Nando, he's referring to Tatis uh, Jr. Just... Didn't really seem like he needed to take a shot. Of course, Tatis got in trouble last year, 80-game suspension for using performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, and Perez is known as one of the nicest guys in baseball. And it's not that you can't do that. It's the, it came on the screen. He explained it uh, on Sirius XM, where he has a show with Steve Phillips that they do daily uh, on MLB Network on Sirius. And this is what he said. I cringed, and I'm going, dang, that sounded terrible. So... Not only am I going to, and this is the first time I talk about it now, but this is one that I'll have to also apologize to the player because that's not right. And that wasn't, and I did not, and that's not who I am, and that's not how I sound professionally on air, if it's on radio or not. Try to always come through, and there was no reason to make it singled out that way. And the reason I like that is that we all make mistakes. We sometimes say something you don't mean to say, you know, obviously within reason. Uh, I believe an apology should be accepted. And he was quick to say, you know what? I messed up. I'm going to apologize to Tatis. Uh, and he's going to make amends. So 
to me, that's a who's up for Eduardo Perez. All right, I would go with our who's down. I'm going to go to Pete Pavacqua of NBC. Of course, I was on Twitter on Sunday uh, talking to TV Sports Ratings saying that if the Orioles had won on NBC on Sunday morning, he'd be my who's up. But he's he's my who's down, and he's my who's down because of the Kentucky Derby, and it has almost nothing to do with viewership, which was down uh, 8%. Uh, it's more the headlines coming out of the race that were just awful. Seven horses died in the run-up to the race, seven. Uh, and and the, the headlines from... Uh, Mainstream outlets and and uh, and other outlets were were pretty devastating. AP had a column headlined "Stench of Death Overwhelms Kentucky Derby." AP also had a news story, the AP, saying, "In the shadow of seven horse deaths, the party goes on at the Derby." Uh, the New York Times had a headline, "The humans failed the horses again." Vox had a headline saying, "The horse racing industry is egregiously cruel, and we should end it yesterday." So NBC has the rights to the race through 2025. And by all accounts, they love it. They want to keep it. I expect that they will. They've had it since uh, 2001. Uh, next year, they're going to blow it out. It's going to be the 150th running of the uh, Kentucky Derby. So you're going to see a ton of marketing around it. But it is awfully difficult to hide from that storyline and those headlines that came out of this year's race. John, for my who's down, I had trouble this week. Everyone must be doing such a good job uh, in sports <laughs> media. I had a little trouble finding a who's down. Uh, so I'm going with the Pac-12. Uh, the reasoning will be more apparent later in the show when it's one of our topics. But I don't like their positioning uh, of where they are with their TV deals, as far as I can tell. Now, we don't know everything. We'll have some information later. And it's the things I'm hearing about where you know things are are possible. I just don't know if they get to that big 12 number. They might, they still might uh, with ESPN and Fox, but I really don't like their outlook right now. So they have my who's down uh, and we're going to make it listen a little bit longer to find out why, uh, you know, in terms of some information, we both have uh, done some reporting on that in the PAC 12. So we'll get to that. This is about the fifth topic or so, uh, but let's get to the topics. Andrew, in the trade, we call that a teaser. That was well done. There we go. The other thing I like about it, before we get to the topics, the other thing I like, you know, you do a podcast for a while uh, and you kind of hear people's like, you know, things that they do, like in terms of like their uh, personality and their verbal tics and stuff. And something that I really enjoy, I don't know if the audience does, but like when you mentioned Connor Bedard, you said somebody called Connor Bedard. And you do that sometimes. You sometimes you say a guy by the name goes by the name of. I love it. I don't know. It sounds, it sounds like an old western or something. I, you know what? I don't want to come off as an on ice expert. I don't know. I don't know if he's any good, but people say he's good. I, so, well, let me tell you a media trick. You're supposed to fake it in those circumstances. <laughs> I go. Somebody goes by the name of Connor Bedard. This is the most authentic pod in the business there right now. All right. Well, let's go to the topics. First topic. Uh, Andrew, you added a story break on Tuesday about Pat McAfee. You mentioned it in the, in the opening. It looks like he is going to ditch one of the most lucrative deals. I mean, it was a deal that took up several topics last year when he when he first signed it on this pod. And he's going to turn away from that and go to ESPN. What do you know? So what I wrote was ESPN is the leading candidate. All signs point to ESPN. Uh, he is in the midst of a $120 million plus uh, dollar deal with FanDuel, only the second year. What makes Pat McAfee great is that he trusts himself, he trusts his gut, and he goes with what he wants. 
Now, most people, I think, if they were, you know, had a deal, you know, and it compensates, not that he just gets the 30 million, he's going to pay his guys, production, all that stuff. You know, they would just stick with that. But he was unhappy. Uh, he hasn't really said fully why with FanDuel. Um, and, you know, and he also said that he wants someone else to handle, you know, the the other stuff that comes along with doing a show, not just the performance part of it. FanDuel didn't really have that. Um, he needed a, a network, uh, you know, a platform to do that. ESPN's obviously perfect in terms of being able to handle that. Um, so it's not done yet. I'm told no deal is official yet. Um, I will mention, though, he did take a picture of Bob Iger that he put on Twitter a couple weeks back, maybe a week and a half ago. And then on Monday, McAfee said that he expects to announce something within 10 days or so. Well, next Tuesday is Disney's upfronts. So uh, all signs point there. I do think there'll be a linear component where he'll probably be on TV, but I think he'll also, I think a lot of his show very likely will stay on YouTube as well. And of course he is on college game day and he, he has an, as, as an established relationship with ESPN already. But this actually reminds me back in the day when every single team was looking into uh, creating their own regional sports network. And it was like, why don't we create value and do that? And I, if I was advising those teams, I would have been like, why don't you just sit back and collect money from somebody like Fox or, or, or Comcast who know how to do this? And you don't have to go. And it's hard to build up a, a media company. And it's hard to like what he's realizing that is that it is time consuming and difficult to set up a, your own production company and oversee that production while being the, the, the star talent of of your new company there. Yeah, there's only so many hours in the day. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of times when you have like your friends involved, sometimes they're not good. I think his friends are talented too. I think there could be some expansion in terms of their roles, uh, perhaps with ESPN in terms of what they do. Uh, so they could kind of go out a little bit, maybe obviously the core will still be the show, uh, but where they could do their own thing a little bit more. Uh, so there could be growth for them as well. I, you know, McAvee's bounced around though. I mean, he's different, right? He started at Barstool. Uh, he retired as a pro bowler, I mean, and walked away from millions uh, with the Colts because I don't think he liked the GM. I think that was a big reason why. And he wanted to go into media, took a huge chance on himself, went to Barstool. They recognized his ability, uh, left Barstool. And I mean, I can't even count all the places he's been already uh, from DAZN, uh, to was he on Westward one at one point or was it iHeartRadio one or the other uh, where he had to syndicate he was on Sirius XM uh, WWE he was on Fridays then he went to game day uh, I'm probably missing a couple here but he's done a lot of deals he moved around a lot here's the other thing that when you talk about ESPN um, and Disney they Bob Iger announced in February 7,000 jobs will be lost when ESPN looks at this deal they say you know if they do it this is going to pencil out that they're going to make money on the deal that's the only way they would do it so maybe one doesn't have something to do with the other, but optically that it just doesn't feel good, right? For people who are laid off or people who still work there who are dealing with morale um, of layoffs. Uh, and I get it. You could argue it's in two separate buckets, but the thing about this, all this stuff is that there's human beings involved. And so it's easy to say, well, this is business is not, but if you work there, it's difficult. That's a difficult thing to swallow. It's nothing to do with Pat McAfee. He's doing nothing wrong. And in, and maybe Disney and ESPN and, you know, the leaders there are not doing anything wrong, but it's just optically it's tough. Pat McAfee, he's one of the most unique people that I've covered because at every point, if he had asked me for advice, I would have given him the exact opposite advice that he took. And, and look, look, look where he's gone. Like he's bet on himself consistently. He's gone the non-traditional route 
and now he's going back to, to the main route. And I'm not even certain that uh, ESPN is going to make money off of this deal, but I am certain that Pat McAfee is going to bring in a, a younger core demographic that, that they're hoping will come into to McAfee and then, and then stick around to watch, you know, the other sports on other shows that are on the air. Well, they want to be cool. I mean, they're, you know, like when you look at ESPN. I want to be, be cool, Andrew. Exactly. And what year were you born in? ESPN was born in 1979. <laughs> so now it's in its mid 40s. Uh, and so it's hard to maintain being cool when you're in your mid 40s. Um, some of us do it. Uh, maybe we're even a little more than mid 40s. But the bottom line is it's hard to do that. But I think when they look at their front facing people now, led by Stephen A., I still think uh, you got Joe Buck and Aikman, you got the Mannings, you got Scott Van Pelt, Greenberg. Um, but, you know, to me, ESPN, though, is the warriors who like, you know, work warriors who work hard and like grind. To me, that's what makes ESPN ESPN. So those people shouldn't be forgotten, in my opinion. I'm not saying they are, but I think sometimes when you have layoffs, they are. But McAfee, that's is definitely designed to be cooler, definitely designed and how it works out. Uh, that will be fascinating to watch if it does. In fact, you know, it's not official yet. Um, so I was told nothing signed yet. So we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, I do think those up front, so I would put a little circle around the upfronts next Tuesday. I think we'll both be at. All right, let's go to topic two. Uh, the NFL, uh, outside of the live games, they have the NFL draft, they have the NFL combine, and they have probably my favorite, which is the NFL uh, schedule release. They have a primetime show. So you go you go schedule release, and then what's two? I'll t- I'll take the draft too. There's draft there's two and then combine. The draft. Right, I would go combine. I'd probably go draft, schedule, combine. So yeah, I guess I got the the schedule out there a little higher than the combine. All right, fair enough. Well, uh, there were some hiccups uh, this year going into the uh, the schedule release. They they had it planned for Thursday, the day after our our pod uh, posts, and uh, uh, Peter King came out with his Monday morning quarterback saying, and then they might not make Thursday because there are some problems in terms of uh, they they couldn't get. A lot of the big games uh, uh, said there was a lot of lobbying by all the networks and by a- Amazon, of course, to try to get the best games, more so this year than in, in past uh, past years. Uh, they finally, late on Monday, came up with the schedule. Uh, Roger Goodell took a look at it. He gave it his, uh, his blessing. Uh, everything is on schedule for a Thursday release. And there are a couple of, uh, of new interesting things that I'm going to be looking for in the release. Uh, one is... Christmas Day is going to be a triple header on on Monday. It's going to be CBS, Fox, and ESPN uh, going. This is the NFL going head to head with what has been uh, traditionally an NBA day, uh, and so that that's the type of games that they put on Christmas Day is something that is uh, going to interest me. Also, ESPN this year is going to have three weeks where they're going to have two games sort of side by side one on abc one on espn how are they going to schedule those games are they going to be sort of top tier games or are they going to be lesser games i, I think that's something that's uh that, that that i'm especially looking forward to and also if you grew up with the nfl you knew like the cowboys playing and uh playing against the afc at an afc stadium would be on Fox or a commander's Eagles game would be on Fox. Now, none of that necessarily matters anymore. There's still an AFC package and there's still an NFC package. So 
Fox still has a minimum number of Cowboys games that they that they're by contract going to get, and the CBS has a minimum number of Chiefs games that by contract they're going to get as well. But what those games could be, they're, they're sort of all over the place. So it's that made creating the schedule a lot more difficult because you couldn't you weren't didn't just look at it and say, oh well, obviously that's a, a Fox game because it's yep. Eagles Giants. The NFL's also made like the idea of putting together the schedule into like, I don't know, there's so many stories on it and they have their full court press uh, with it. Uh, so good for them with that. I mean, look, I would say where Aaron Rodgers, you know, with the effect of the Jets uh, and you know, how many times will they be in prime time? You know, will they or will they not? They play the Cowboys. Will that be Thanksgiving? Giants, Jets play each other. So the interesting stories there. My question for you is flex scheduling and Monday Night Football. How much impact do you think that will have? I think it's like the last four weeks they can do it. Um, do you think one, two times? How many times do you think they use that? So it's weeks 12 through 17. Okay. Uh, they need, need to give a 12-day notice. And you know, I looked over last year's uh, Monday Night Schedule from week 12 to 17. There was maybe two probably just one game that would have been flexed out. Remember, flexible scheduling isn't about getting the best game on Monday night. It's about taking a dog of a game. So in, in a week a week 16 game, if you have two teams that are well under 500, the NFL doesn't want that game in a prime time window. That, it wants that game in a one o'clock window on a, on, on a Sunday. Flexible scheduling, we also saw that with Amazon. It makes a ton of headlines. There are people that are going to be really disenfranchised because I bought a, a ticket for a game on Sunday, and now you're telling me 12 days beforehand that it's now going to be on a Monday night. That It's it's not fan-friendly, but it's going to happen maybe one time a, a, a season, maybe twice a, a, at most. I don't I don't, don't see it happening much more than that. All right, the, the biggest teams right now, it's always the Cowboys, right? And then... The Chiefs with Mahomes and being the Super Bowl champions, uh, those I think would be the ones that they were probably doing the most politicking for. But what else? You know, that's what surprised me. I talked to several executives, and they identified those two teams: the Cowboys, who haven't won the Super Bowl since 1995, incredible, and the Chiefs. They said there's really nobody else. There's another grouping of teams, and one or two of those teams are are going to get into that upper grouping that uh, that the NFL likes, where the, they they get big ratings and they get the the you know prime telecast. You know the Eagles, the Super Bowl runner up is is one. Uh, your Steelers have a chance uh, to do that as well. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, somebody that they're keeping a look at. There are a bunch of young quarterbacks in Cincinnati and in Buffalo. They just haven't really won anything yet, so they're they're sort of in that second grouping in terms of uh, how the uh, the TV executives are taking a look at it and not in the top grouping. So that's something also to take a look at to see how the season develops and what team catches fire to catapult itself up into that uh, top grouping. But one person uh, that you're not going to see next year, Andrew, is Tom Brady. You, are you uh, sure? <laughs> you, you know, you created... Let's go to topic three. Yeah, can we get the Tom Brady Brady meter uh, soundtrack, Chris Mason? You created some international news uh, on the pod last week, and I wish I like I'm usually a news hound. I I can usually sniff this stuff out. I surprised. What happened? Yeah, I mean it wasn't really news. We are having some fun, you know. Tom Brady. I do think you know there's a question of if he'll do it next year, 
I mean, that's clear. I've said that before. I've written it before. Joe Buck said it. Um, others have opined. I think Phil Sims also opined about that. Um, and so that's not necessarily new. A couple of people told me, there were no people close to Brady who said like, one person doesn't think they'll do it. One person doesn't think he'll do it. So I do think it's in question, but bottom line, it's uh, he hasn't decided anything. He probably doesn't know for sure. Look, I go back and forth. Like I said last week, it fluctuates, but internet got a hold of it. It got aggregated. It got changed okay, slightly. Hang on for a second. I, so, so now I, I want to interview you on this, okay? <laughs> so you when you say the internet got a hold of it, like, what do you mean? Well, the way I could tell, um, you know, awful announcing, you know, they aggregate a lot of stuff and, and they first did it and they handled it fine. Uh, there's no real issue with that. Um, and then I guess another couple other sites maybe had it. And then there's a influential tweeter named Dove Kleiman. He got it. He wrote report and then colon Tom Brady could quit. And then he put my words in accurately, but that kind of got it going. And then, and these are the sites, the bigger sites that Bleacher Report and, and Sports Illustrated took it. And so all of a sudden it, it, it gained steam. I saw it gaining steam at that point. Like I was contacted uh, by Sirius XM to go on the radio with Robin Lundberg, who I've known for a long time, who I like a lot. And I said, oh, I love Robin, but um, I'm going to pass because this isn't really a story. It's gotten into the aggregation machine. So I passed on that because I didn't want to add to it. But then on Friday, Tom Brady chimed in on Instagram saying fake news. Okay. So at that point, I talked to my editor who felt the need to address the situation. And I did. Uh, you can find my column online. When he says that you kind of have to, you know, explain what happened because I didn't report anything. Um, you know, I reported stuff I knew. And, and here's the difference. Like, and it's hard to explain this. To, it's nuanced a little bit, but like, if I have news, I'm going to write news on Twitter, we're going to have a story. We had no story. We had no news on Twitter. Uh, people in the business who heard it, nobody was like, I can't believe you reported that. Nobody said that. Um, and so this is how these things work now. You know, I've seen it happen many times with a lot of things. I mean, and people listening who are at networks, they deal with it all the time um, where things are slightly changed. Um, and there's nothing complaining. Look, at the end of the day, to me, it's a compliment that people listen to this podcast and take what we say. And it has... Um, some level of importance that they uh, repeat that. Um, in this case, though, uh, it did cause a little bit of a stir and it wasn't intended. We are just having fun with the. That's something that we'll see. We're going to have to be careful, though. It does fluctuate in, but it's my mind. So the difference is, is that it's not Tom Brady told me it's 5149 now. It's, <laughs> that was my, those are my thoughts that it's, that it went from 50. And here's the thing I could have said 50 50, but. Look, I've you been can't trained. 50, 50. Yeah, you know, nobody no. wants to hear 50-50. Amanda been doing this a long time. You gotta have a figure out how to, to do that. I want to go inside the Brady meter for uh, at the podcast. So we have it as uh, the podcast has it at 49-51 that he's not gonna do it. When he came and said that was fake news, did that move the uh, the odds at all? I mean, it kind of makes it feel like he he's gonna do it more. I think that's you know, if he's going off of what the those aggregations were saying, uh, but I don't know. I think we're, the things we're that we're sticking at forty nine. We're sticking at forty nine uh, at the moment. It fluctuates. I easily could have gone fifty one last week, and there would have been nothing. I, if we had done <laughs> the opposite, we could have avoided a headache. I would have had more time on my Friday. But um, but yeah. So I go back and forth. Like, look, I think he very well could do it. You know, as I said last week. You know, it's so, it's so much money. I think he could try it for a year. You know, is he going to do it forever? I don't know. But I also think he, 
again, I, I'm just going, I don't know Tom Brady. This is what people I talk with. I think he's very interested in being with his kids. I think that's hard, even if you're going private. You know, even if you flew out on a Saturday and fly back on a Sunday, it's a late game. You, to do the job correctly, you probably want to get there maybe even Friday night. This is national TV. And, you know, he's a guy who wants to be received well. I just think you, you're going to have to put in the work. You know, I mentioned Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, and, you know, there's a lot of people in the business that don't think they should go in day of game. But I would point out that the broadcast sounded great last year. So is there a problem? You know, it's not maybe ideal. Once the broadcast doesn't sound as good, then you can point to that. When the broadcast sounds good, then, you know, you probably maybe don't change the producer and director as well. But, you know, Monday Night Football had a good broadcast last year. So, uh, but if you're a rookie, I think you kind of want to be there. Let's start talking about uh, an NFL announcer that actually is going to be in the booth uh, next year. And that is Chris Fowler, ESPN's top play-by-play college football announcer. He's going to call five games for ESPN, NFL games. Uh, they moved Steve Levy, who used to be the, the lead NFL play-by-player for ESPN. They moved him off of the NFL, inserted Chris Fowler. I have to. I know you don't didn't love that move. I didn't mind it so much. I I, I think Fowler is like so, is somebody that in, internally at ESPN he's well liked, he's well respected, and uh, and ESPN's offices they looked at when for years when. Monday Night Football couldn't find its footing and the NFL was getting increasingly frustrated by like, why can't you produce it well? They would look at the college football telecast and be like, we want it produced like what you do with Fowler and Herb Street. Okay, well, I call it odd and this is why. Okay, number one, if I'm ESPN, the first thing I'd want to do with that position is create a new star because Joe Buck's contract is going to come up in four years. Uh, It's going to be during a Super Bowl year. And I would like to create a little leverage if I can. Now you're going to want to keep Joe Buck most likely, but if you ask for 20 million, you'd rather be able to say, I have Adam Amin, you know, he's ready to go. People love Adam Amin and, you know, maybe keep him at 15 or so. That's number one. And I, you're not doing that with Fowler because you thought so much more of Joe Buck than Chris Fowler on the NFL that you decided to pay Joe Buck $50 million a year instead of just having Fowler do the job, which you could have gotten him for a raise, but much less than $15 million a year. So you decide not to do that. And you have other college announcers who could be the number one play-by-play guy led by Sean McDonough. Um, I know they could maybe go with Reese Davis. They have others like Passion with Shoes in. They're pretty, they got some, they got some guys there. Um, but they so they chose not to do that. That's number one. Number two, I don't think Fowler's a great play-by-player. I think this will be interesting to see how he does. Uh, you also chemistry is important. And, you know, I know this is only five games, but just to throw people together for five games is difficult um, to know where to, for them to have their footing. Uh, when he works at Herb Street, it's one of the best game analysts there is going, especially in college. Um, he was okay on Amazon, the NFL wasn't amazing, uh, but on college, he's excellent. I, I think hands down the best. I think that's going to hurt them. And I just think also ESPN has to also learn how to develop their, their younger people. So they're not leaving. You know, they at one point they had Joe Davis. At one point they had Jason Benetti. At one point they had Adam Amin. They are all now at Fox. This is a spot where I'd want to do that. I think the NFL does like Fowler, uh, but I also think uh, it's more difficult to just throw people together than than they necessarily think. And I don't think, especially if you're not 
at the top of the game. And I think we have to listen to it. Maybe, maybe it'll be really good. And I just don't think you're creating any leverage. And so I would not have done that. I found it odd. Yeah. And you made that point well. And I, I will say that the uh, ESPN does have a lot of young talent. They have a lot of college football. They have a lot of college basketball. They, they have a lot of young talent getting a lot of reps who's, who don't have the, the, the big sort of established names. I think the problem that they had of the Joe Davis and, you know, the, you, you gave that whole list of uh, uh, Adam Amin, uh, the people that went to Fox, you know, that that hasn't happened in, in, a, in a couple of years. Like I, I, it's you have to recognize like, their ability. Like they have Ryan Rucco, who's still younger, you know, on the NBA. And they have some up and coming younger guys like uh, Mike Monaco. But you have to give those people chances and you want them to grow within your realm and not just be a breeding ground. I mean, Fox has plucked three of the better play-by-players, NBC. Fox had Noah Eagle as well. He now at NBC. Um, so again, ESPN should be those places. Now ESPN would argue, well, when they're on our air, they don't get the best. I would disagree. I think if they put those guys and gave them opportunities, it's the ability also to recognize what you have. You got to be able to scout yourself. Um, and so that's very important. All right, let's move on. Uh, I mentioned Rucco. He's doing, he's done some NBA, like they, like there's an example. They should give him probably some more NBA playoff games. Um, but NBA playoffs, you get a story, ESPN not traveling for the conference final. What do you think about that? Budget cuts uh, that we're seeing. I, I think ESPN wants to, I think they have plans to do it in the, in the future. Uh, but I think as, as you were saying earlier about bringing over McAfee, having a big expense like traveling the the uh, pre and post game show to the stadiums during the conference finals while you're laying people off is not the is not the best look um they do plan ESPN does plan to travel to the NBA finals but this is the first time in at least a decade I haven't even gone back to to, to figure it out that they're not doing it and it's going to be quite a contrast to Turner because TNT you know they they uh, their NBA contract they have uh, go up into a conference final, and they're inside the NBA, which already outshines anything that that ESPN puts on the air with with uh, with the NBA, is going to be at the at the event. It's going to make it feel bigger. It's gonna it's something that you know um, the league office really likes to see um, a, a, as well. Uh, and it's uh it, it's just where ESPN is right now, just in, in terms of the budget and the budget cuts. They will be there at the finals, though, correct? They will be there at the final. Well, right now, that's a plan, yeah. So you're saying might not be at the finals? No, I, every, everything I've been told says that they'll be at the finals, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why it said that. <laughs> I'm trying right, so to They hedge. will be at the finals. You, 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 you kind of said, all right, that's the plan. It's like, all right. Not like an executive <laughs> saying, all right, that's the plan. And then, oh, we changed. I said, I just said it was the plan. I didn't say it was happening. I said it was the plan. Andrew, you mentioned uh, this in your Who's Down. Uh, our next topic is the Pac-12 uh, take us a little bit more in depth what you're hearing. One name that as a possibility that's been out there a lot is Amazon. Uh, I think that's very unlikely. I never say never about it, but from what I'm told, very unlikely the Pac-12 and Amazon. Uh, very so, unlikely in terms of what? Like, like, a deal at all. Like a, no Friday night game or no Thursday uh, night Very game. unlikely. Again, mm-hmm. not saying impossible. I'm saying very unlikely, at least at this point. Uh, maybe things change. But I just don't think there's a match. Uh, as we talked about last week, and you reported about Amazon and NASCAR, uh, that sounds like that could very well happen for that summer series. They want the NBA. I think they're saving up for that. Uh, they really want premium sports. 
you know, top of the line exclusive stuff. NASCAR falls into that, obviously, Thursday night football, the Yankees. Uh, you can see, obviously, what they're doing um, overseas. A lot of They have a lot of Premier League and Champions League. They went hard for that uh, Champions League before CBS and Paramount uh, kept it. Uh, so they that's what they the, their plans um, look like. Uh, again, not saying impossible. I'm saying very unlikely. The thing about Amazon and, and their sports strategy is that you, you, you talked about exclusivity. If you want to watch the NFL on Thursday night, there's only one place that you can watch it, and that's, that's, uh, that's Amazon Prime. Uh, the NASCAR deal that they seem uh, uh, likely to get the only place that you're going to be able to see those races and, and, and really any NASCAR races during that time is going to be on, on most uh, Amazon if they get that, that deal done. Uh, with, with the Pac-12, how much college football is, is out there? And, and then sort of not being able to get the, the, you know, the top game. And, and they're not a tonnage play. Uh, Amazon has never been, you know, we'll take everything and, and, and try to figure that out. It, it was tough to start with. And I think when you look at it, I would say, let's use a baseball analogy. The Thursday night football is a grand slam. Uh, NASCAR is probably a solo homer, right? Uh, but you look at the Pac-12, at least right now, and what you just said in terms of not really having exclusivity, maybe you could put a Friday night game on, but if you're not giving them the best game of the week, does Amazon really want that? So is that a double? Is it a single? Is it a triple? With all that other college of football on, you know, you look at it kind of like the Apple deal with major league baseball, it's an exclusive deal for those games, but there's a million other games on and it's a regional sport. College football is a national sport, but it's regionalized. And so uh, I don't, it just doesn't fit. I'd be very surprised um, at this point. So Amazon. And so let's go down. What do you think on ESPN? Well, there were some reports out there that ESPN was out uh, as well. Uh, I, I, I don't think that's true. Uh, I think that ESPN, they're not facing after the Pac-12, but uh, if if there's something opportunistic that presents itself, they're going to, they're going to grab it. So the ESPN uh, is available. The, they're talking uh, pretty regularly to the Pac-12. And if, if they are, if they're able to get a deal, that'll work out. We've had Eric Shanks on uh, this podcast uh, over at Fox. I, I've, I've talked to him for another story that I did in uh, SPJ Media Newsletter as well. I think he says the same thing. They want to be, they'll, they'll be opportunistic if, if something comes up. That's probably not great for the Pac-12 if everyone's just looking at it as an opportunity uh, to, uh, to make a good deal. Uh, if they're going to try to match the Big 12 and, you know, not have teams like possibly Colorado and others um, leave uh, their conference. So uh, yeah, here's again, the thing, really Andrew, is, is, is that the Pac-12, the Washington State athletic director came out and said, like, they have a really good deal that's out there. Um, I just don't know who that deal is with. They, they, they... And they've been saying this forever. Like, again, we're not I have no side in this. I mean, I hope all the conferences survive and all the universities do well and everyone's happy. So I don't I have no side in this. But I will say that they've said a number of things that have not turned out to be true. I mean, if you're just watching on the record comments um, from the commissioner saying that, you know, they're going to be more lucrative or more successful than the Big Ten, um, which hard to fathom. And also UCLA and USC were making a mistake going to the Big Ten. Uh, th- those were weird. And then they put all kinds of deadlines you hear over and over. And you do get the sense that some of these schools, you know, they're waiting. They want to see what the offers are and then go from there. I do think also 
the other thing is uh, my last point on the Pac-12 is that if you do like they kind of got in this hole because of the Pac-12 network, right? That was such a disaster that now they're in a hole. And once you get in this hole in this rut, it's hard to get out of it because why other conferences or other leagues are moving up in terms of how much they're being paid, how much exposure, if you keep moving back, at some point, you just can't make up that ground, especially where prestige and how you're looked upon is so important um, in something like college athletics. And I think that's where they're falling into trouble. And that's why, like, we had Nick Khan on uh, at the WWE, uh, who, you know, who said if he were them, he'd take a shorter term deal and get exposure. Maybe that's what happens with ESPN, where it's not as lucrative. They can keep the league together and they go for three years and then go from there and then try to get back into the market. Yeah, to me, the, the problem with the Pac 12 is a matter of timing. Like if they came to market uh, even just like a year earlier, like it, it was a frothier market. They, there, there weren't cost cuttings. You weren't seeing layoffs uh, happening uh, across the board. Uh, and so I think that, that that plays a big part of it. And there were also some mistakes. Like they had, there was a deal for them to do that the Big 12 came in and, and, and took. So, uh, but we were the first to report, you know, I said this on our podcast about them being hundreds of millions of dollars apart. This is months and months and months ago. And that was the problem that they were so, they wanted so much. They thought that, you know, because the Big 10, you know, got so much money that that raised what they got. But really, the networks looked at it like the Big 10 got this much money. So that's less money for you to get. Like we only, not that this is their equals and that this is like the going rate. No, is more of we're going to spend this amount of money in total. And so this much is going to the Big 10. We talk a lot about need to have programming and and nice to have programming. And the, the, the Pac-12 hasn't been able yet to convince uh, the TV network that it's need to have programming. There is another interesting deal that's coming up uh, at uh, Sports Business Journal. Uh, we interviewed Kathy Engelberg, who is the commissioner of the WNBA. And she was talking about the uh, rights deal moving forward. And she said that uh, the WNBA is undervalued right now and as she looks around and sees these other uh, leagues and conferences doubling what they get she's like well that's that's a minimum that's a floor for what the WNBA should expect and so she's doing this as the Pac-12 is struggling uh I'm not ready to predict yet and make any predictions yet about the WNBA but I can tell you that that is that is somewhere that what I that I'm looking because, because there's an unmistakable trend that we've talked about towards women's sports and networks doubling down on, on women's sports. Uh, there, there is a, um, a viewership story that the WNBA has that's, uh, that's pretty good, you know, showing uh, consistent ratings gains o- o- over the year. Where that falls in terms of being able to double the rights fee or not is going to be a really interesting storyline for us to cover going forward. I think that the WNBA has a really good future. And if I were networks, there are two things. If I were networks, I'd be wanting to be partners with the WNBA. I'm going to tell you why. I think Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, uh, that set something off. I mean, first starting with Caitlin Clark because she just plays different. Uh, it's so entertaining to watch. And it's not going to matter if she's a, on Iowa or if she's uh, on the Mystics. That It's going to be something that's really uh, fun to watch. I think her rivalry with Angel Reese is something that, you know, I'm not saying it's bird magic, but there's something there. I think it's going to be on the upswing. Now, if on them, I want exposure. 
And I understand everyone wants the money right away. And she might be right. Maybe they can double, maybe they can triple, maybe they get a lot more money. And obviously you want the money. Don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, they did a deal um, with Ion uh, for Friday night uh, games on local broadcast channels. I don't know if those will do well. You just want your games available. Let people see this product, especially as it's going to about to become even more interesting next year um, when, you know, Reese comes out, when Clark comes out, when they potentially have another fun NCAA tournament run that if all goes right, they meet, uh, you know, if they met in the finals or the final four or someplace, uh, that would be tremendous. Then you have from UConn page Beckers, uh, who's going to become another household name, I think. Um, and everyone will know how to pronounce her name uh, when you add her to the mix. I mean, she was tremendous the year before, then hurt her knee. Uh, she'll be back. Uh, and so I just think you look at all that, it's a rising tide. Uh, so I think, look, they should get as much money as they can, of course. But I do think that the WNBA is having a moment. And it's not here yet. It's on the horizon uh, off of college basketball, which is how it worked with the NBA. Uh, and I, I think uh, they're in really well positioned. Well, that brings us to the end of another action-packed uh, Mando podcast, Marshanna Noran Sports Media podcast. Uh, we've gone without a big get for several weeks in a row. We're going to have a, a few coming in the next couple of weeks that uh, I think are, are big gets. So that, that, that should be a lot of fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, please uh, go rate. Uh, Five-star ratings are great. Leave a comment uh, as well. We're told those help. Thank you very much for listening. And also thanks to Chris Mason and AC Wyatt for putting it all together. And then the new segment, I don't know if you guys heard it last week, you stay on, you might've thought something was wrong, but uh, we have a new segment basically, uh, you know, for this one, we'll call it, is it Beckers, Buckers or Bloopers? Thanks everybody. Jeez, I'm off today. This dog is barking. Give me one second, if you don't mind. You guys might not hear it, but. Oh my God, you're, you're talent. Now you're officially talent. I'm going to apologize to Ted. It's like a tongue twister. Apologize to Tatis. It's Beckers, I think, right? Wait, let me see. You're you saying Buckners. It's Beckers. And then you have uh, Paige Buckers. Again, it's, it's Beckers, not Buckers. Beckers, all right. And then at Connecticut, you have Paige Buckers. <laughs> Paige Buckers. Uh, she's from Yukon. She's coming back. And so, still wrong? It's Beckers. 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 Yes. Yeah,